Balls. He's a libertarian in chief. This is the libertarian chief chat. Just a libertarian chit chat with the chief. Oh, hey, I'm Kevin. I'm here too. All right. Welcome to Chief Chats with Kevin Hobby and Todd Hagopian. I'm Kevin Hobby. And I'm Todd Hagopian. And we have with us one of my favorite people in the liberty movement, Brian Nichols, uh, one of the biggest podcasters in the Libertarian Party. Brian, you want to introduce yourself? Todd Hagopian, my friend. Thank you so much. And Kevin, thank you so much as well for the work you're doing here at Chief Chats. Yes, I appreciate the intro. Uh, humble host here at the Brian Nichols Show, part of the greater we are Libertarians podcasting network. I've uh, been doing the Brian Nichols show now for my goodness. We just celebrated our three year uh, birthday. Uh, so here in January, uh, now going on, working on that is year four. And what we've been doing at the show, we focus on talking about the issues people care about. Uh, you know, my, my day job, I'm a sales executive. So I'm always talking to, to folks trying to you know, sell solutions. And in this case, I find myself in my professional career in the greater telecommunications, cybersecurity, business continuity world. And, and with that being said, you know, I'm, I'm reaching out to IT directors, chief information officers, uh, network engineers, uh, CISOs. And, and with that, you know, trying to talk about the issues that were, were really happening in, in their, you know, their daily experiences. And as I started going through realizing, you know, I play this problem solver in my day job, we as folks in the greater liberty movement, we have a great opportunity because we see a lot of problems out there. And my goodness, we're quick to identify those problems. But right now, the world really needs some problem solvers. And, and here's the, the dirty little secret is that when you talk about sales, it's not the traditional used car salesman mentality, but rather it is that trusted advisor, that person that's going to be able to, to handhold through, you know, some very difficult, you know, situations, very difficult situations that they find themselves in as a company, or in this case, as a country, right? So uh, with that being said, my show, I'm having folks on like you, obviously Todd Hagopian, not only a, a libertarian in chief, but also when you're running for a Oklahoma Corporation Commission, and then the other great libertarian uh, officials across both the the state and, uh, and local uh, election uh, sectors, but also talking about folks in you know, the, the, the greater uh, private sector, talking to folks at C-level executives. I had Mark Loebliner on from Tiger Fitness talking about, uh, you know, marketing and sales, but also running a business in an era of COVID, having economists on and, and so on and so forth. It's, it's been a great chance to, uh, to reach folks and, and really play the role of, uh, you know, not just an interviewer, but really a, a networker, being, bringing people together and being able to have these conversations about really the, the fundamental issues that people really are caring about here in 2021. Yeah, I think that's great. And we're definitely going to get into how your sales experience translates into how you talk about liberty um, as we get into the episode. So I'm excited to hear about that. How about take us back, Brian? Um, most people weren't born a libertarian. Talk to us a little bit about where you came from and what that journey towards libertarianism looked like for you. Yeah, well, Todd, I was uh, I was much in your camp, right? I wasn't in Kevin's camp of coming from the uh, the communist left, but much more. I grew up in a GOP household, right? I, I was uh, growing up, um, you know, rah rah GOP. Dad was a county legislator for fifteen years, um, and and with that, I got to see politics, which 
you, you see in a local level, it kind of does stand true to the, the problem solving entity that it can be. Because I talk about this to people all day long, you know, what's going to have more of an impact in your life? Is it going to be what Joe Biden's going to do? Um, or is it going to be, you know, if, if your local garbage uh, collection doesn't get taken care of, right, or your roads aren't getting paved, like, you're going to see a much more dramatic uh, reaction from people when you start talking about uh, local issues. And with that, I, I kind of grew up having this mentality, well, government can be good because I've seen government be good in my local area. But obviously, as I, I you know, grew up and went to college and met people beyond just the confines of my you know, little rural uh, area that I grew up in, I find myself you know, interacting with people I would never have interacted with otherwise. And then realizing that when we start to get beyond our own comfort zones that we, and, and when we really start to push ourselves and get comfortable being uncomfortable, that uh, you start to question some of the things you believe in. And really the, the big the big aha moment, I think, funny enough, was, was in 2012 when I was not uh, on a Ron Paul's team. Uh, I was not a, a libertarian, but I was a, a member of the GOP. And I was actually firmly in this, this Mitt Romney camp. And, and I just didn't get Ron Paul. I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it, even though I, I had watched him on the debate stage in 2008. And I remembered he'd been that guy who stood up against Giuliani and he stood up as the guy saying, hey, you know, we're, we're facing right now this war on terror because we've been spending decades over in the Middle East. They, they came here because of us being there and hearing that voice, knowing that it was different. But I just didn't get the whole libertarian thing. I, I, I still had this belief that government could be good if we just got the right people in office. And then it kind of changed my mentality of a government to more of getting away from this, you know, big government, um, you know, just the right people in charge doing it from the, the right and instead going to, okay, well, what if we just did a, a fiscally, you know, responsible and socially accepting party, what would that look like? And, and in my eyes, it was like this new era of uh, uh, republicanism, right? And, and little did I know here, I was just echoing back the ideas of libertarianism and I just didn't even realize it right at the time. So in, in this, you know, starting to do the, the Google search and the YouTube, um, you know, digging down the rabbit holes, I started to find myself watching videos of people like Milton Friedman and Rand Paul and Ron Paul. And, and then also this started to devolve into, you know, Hayek, Mises, um, you know, Thomas Sowell, Rothbard. And, and then all of a sudden I realized, oh my goodness, this, this whole time, this is what I've been. I've been this libertarian. And really the, the icing on the cake was reading this phenomenal book from Matt Kibbe. It was a don't hurt people and don't take their stuff, a libertarian manifesto. And actually, I had the great pleasure of being able to uh, sit down with Matt Kibbe down in, uh, in D.C. here right before um, things got crazy uh, back in the beginning of January, where we talked about, you know, my, my focus in my you know, professional career, but also what I do in politics and sales, right? And talking about how when we are able to break things down to very easy to understand things, like not hurting people, not taking their stuff, which obviously is, is a sentiment that everybody can understand, but then you you take that and then you look at it in the mindset of, well, hey, if we say don't hurt people and don't take their stuff and we make that the, the fundamental lifestyle that we can you can sell as solutions, as long as our solutions are going back to that, then my goodness, I think we're in a pretty darn good spot and people would be pretty on board with that as a solution. So that's kind of what sold me on, on Liberty was the ideas that just make sense. This is how I live my life and, and this is how I think by and large, a majority of people live their lives. Now we just have to apply it in the macro level, right? Take it outside of our just our personal lives and start to apply it in our communities and our localities and our, our states. And, and fingers crossed, right? You know, despite the election results here in 2020 and 
you know, I'm hoping we, we will see some reforms across the board in both parties. Fingers crossed. I'm the eternal optimist, right? Um, but, you know, we, we do have a chance, I think, one day to, to see a more freer America, so long as we're able to meet people where they're at and actually start to solve the problems that actually matter to them. Sure. No, and I, I'll take a minute to um, shout out Matt Kibbe. That was a book that influenced my path um, enormously. I consider Matt a friend. Uh, at this point, I've been on his show as well, and he runs a fantastic podcast for those who are interested. Uh, go out and take a look at that. Um, Kibby on Liberty, and then I think he's got another one or two out there going on right now. Um, but yeah, no, I completely agree that it's going to be a very interesting time um, to go and recruit into libertarianism. I think you know, with Trump talking about potentially starting a patriot party and the GOP <laughs> you know, fracturing somewhat over whether or not Trump is going to continue to be the leader of that party. Um, the fact that Biden will come in and probably, you know, he's starting off strong on the left, but probably go back towards moderate. And then the left is going to have some issues there. There are going to be a lot of people um, who will be listening for the first time in a few years. And I do think that we have an opportunity to reach them. And I like the um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff message. Um, talk a little bit about your cell strategy on the Libertarian Party. How has it evolved over time? How do you see it working? Um, what are we doing wrong? There's a whole lot of us angry folks out here who just yell <laughs> a lot, you know, <laughs> and talk to us about what we could be doing better. Well, well, first and foremost, uh, and this is the actual title of the episode with Matt Kibbe I did and it was to sell liberty more talk less and listen more right and this is this is going to be something a lot of libertarians need to to realize at a, at a fundamental level and that is that while we think we know what people care about because the the issues that we're talking about matter to us they might not matter to people so instead what we need to do is we need to actually ask people what matters to them. And then believe it or not, nine times out of 10, they're going to tell us exactly what's, what's the problem. And then that gives us a chance to play that role. I, I call it, you know, solving the bed bug problem, right? If, if you have someone and you and they say, listen, I have bed bugs and, and it's the consuming everything in their life. You know, they, they, they can't sleep at night. They, they can't, you know, they can't focus on their, their kids' education. Their kids can't sleep. Their, their wife's miserable. And you say, hey, listen, I'm going to be the, the bed bug solver. I'm going to help you solve this bed bug problem or get rid of these bed bugs, right? And, and you're going to walk through step-by-step step how you're going to do it based on your experience of how to best get rid of bed bugs. And, and then if your solution ends up working, guess what? They're going to start maybe asking you, beyond the bed bug issue, they'll start asking you about other stuff, right? Because maybe now they start to, to trust you. They start to, to build that relationship beyond just this, you know, person telling you what you should be doing and actually trying to take your advice as something that's worth its value. And, and that's something right there that libertarians need to realize is that we're not going to be able to really sell liberty. And that's kind of the, the approach I've taken on my show is selling liberty, but we need to be able to build value first. And and here's the, the, the sad reality, I think, for, for a lot of the, the libertarians out there. It's that at this current point in time, the only real value that we bring to the table is being an alternative, right? And, and here's the, the sad, just dirty, rotten truth in sales. Two things fundamentally sell, or sell. It's fear and love, right? And, and in, in, in sales in general, 
people make their decisions based on emotion first and then rationalize that decision after the fact with logic and reason. So if we know that going into the fact that they're going to be making decisions based on fear or love, then we're already playing uh, a back, you know, we're, we're already playing in the back, uh, the back part of the, the, the nine here because the, the other two uh, parties are, are playing this game of fear, right? Because they know that what, what's going to happen if they don't win. The other party is going to take control, right? And vice versa. So there's constantly going to be this, this battle of fear, this battle of who's going to be in control of this Leviathan. With, with it, whereas libertarians, we're, we've unfortunately on a federal level have always been the party that you vote for to, to be the feel good, right? The, 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 the love, right? So we need as libertarians to start, instead of approaching politics through the lens of, you know, we are a vessel right now to enact policy, we need to be focusing more on the elections that are going to have more value, right? And that's going to be local elections. So that's where I would say libertarians by and large should be focusing their time and energy focusing on those local elections where we can make the the hyper focused issue of that locality the libertarian answer right we can ask people hey you know let's say for example flint michigan right what do you think if you had to guess <laughs> the hot button issue in flint michigan probably still is this to this day almost a decade later it's probably going to be the water up there right and with that being said if we were running for town council or city council of flint michigan and we were to run on a libertarian solution oriented approach to solving the flint michigan water crisis and we were actually able to accomplish that. Do you not think that that would be a great starting off point as a resume builder for other libertarians and other localities to say, hey, look, it worked here. Let's try it here. And then here's the, the, the truth. Once we start to build up this case that the libertarian solutions work, then more and more people just by the virtue of seeing it work, the market is going to be showing that this works. People are going to gravitate towards that way. We see it in the marketplace right now. And I think it will be an inevitable um, reaction as well when people start to see it work in their own communities. And then at that point, the overarching Leviathan that is the federal government is going to have to play catch up because they're going to be so far behind where their communities and where their local states are going to be at that it's either that or they're going to have to face some hard realities with the almost $30 trillion that we're currently facing in debt and trying to hold this entire 50, you know, very different states under uh, one umbrella. It's, it's not exactly the best situation to be in right now with so, you know, so high of tensions and the government's still trying to tighten its grip around everything and trying to control these lockdowns. But at the same point in time, people are fighting back. And I think we're starting to see more and more the more fo focused we are on the local solutions, the more stronger localities in our states become, the less threat that these, you know, these overarching socialist policies or the socialist takeover of America becomes, because now we're going to be able to stand independent on our own in our own localities with our own communities. You're speaking my love language right now, Brian. I this is, uh, that's almost 100% the, uh, the whole premise of my campaign for chair of the OKLP is showing these ideas that people really care about and how libertarian solutions can work for that. Um, <clears throat> one thing that I really liked that you said was that a lot of the issues that we care about, this is something that I harp on all the time, a lot of the issues that we care about, like audit the Fed, in the Fed, in the IRS, all those things, to the normal everyday person, they're, they're meaningless because most people, most libertarian philosophy is built around an economic model 
and most people don't understand economics. So one of the things that I've always harped on is uh, I think that we as libertarians do a really bad job of messaging when it comes to our social and civil issues, um, because most people do tend to lean more liberal when it comes to that. And we don't, for some reason, we don't market on that. We're not out there saying, hey, the Democrats didn't support gay marriage until 2009, and we supported it in the 70s. You know, we ran a female candidate back in the 70s. We've been doing all these things. We're actually the more progressive, the more liberal, the more in tune with the masses when it comes to these social and civil issues that people vote on most of the time. And that's a better messaging, in my opinion. I think that we could market ourselves as a real alternative when it comes to the Democrats, because most young people don't understand economics and they don't vote on economics. They vote on social issues, civil issues, and they see the Democrats and the left progressives as they're the ones that are supporting these issues. So, you know, if I think Mexicans are people, then I must be a socialist because they are. (laughs) Well, and isn't it wild when you hear someone like Ben Shapiro who will say facts don't care about your feelings? And I'm like, no, but feelings sell, right? And that's where we're losing the battle is the battle on actually appealing to people's feelings, appealing to people's emotions. I firmly believe that we can actually reach people and and appeal to their emotions by telling stories. I mean, I, I don't mean to keep up bringing Matt, Matt Kibbe, but what he's doing over at Free the People has been a great opportunity for me to take you know treasure troves of content that he has curated, present it to my friends both on the left and the right about specific issues, whether it's you know talking about Thomas Massey's Off the Grid uh, documentary, which was absolutely phenomenal. I can show to my friends on the left, um, or I can you know show them documentaries uh, you know about criminal justice reform or about you know taxes or, or you know living off the grid, like like I mentioned with Thomas Massey, there are so many different opportunities that we can use to start telling stories, right? And once we're able to tell the stories, and here, you know, before I go to this, down this this rabbit hole, let's take a, a second and just look at where we are as a country, right? Who are some of the most influential people in our society? Who are the, some of the most, you know, not just influential, but who are the ones actually guiding the culture? It's our celebrities. Why And why? Because for better or worse, People, when they watch Tom Hanks on TV playing Captain Phillips, they're like, man, I trust him. He he has this convincing role that he is playing, and it builds this level of familiarity, this level of trust. And when we see these, these role models, these people that we come to idolize, now supporting the candidates like Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, there's this like, you know, this, this kind of internal brain that we don't know is there and it's like well wait hold on i i like this person in this role they're supporting this person but this person i have a natural reservation towards and that's something a lot of people they'll they'll just kind of ignore and they'll just say okay no i'm going with who i trust right and and here's (laughs) here's what stinks on on average people just want to be told what to do and and that sucks that that's the reality but here's where we can actually help with that is Instead of just saying, we're going to tell you what to do, we're going to help people think. And we're going to tell people how to think. And we do that by asking questions, right? And that's one of the things about sales. If I can leave you know, any libertarian out there with like a golden suggestion just to start out and how you can become a better salesperson is to start asking more questions. If you find yourself in a conversation with someone where you're trying to leave the conversation where they are taking away something of value for the future and you're finding yourself 
talking more than they are, something's going wrong, right? You want to be asking them open-ended questions to get them to tell stories. And the more stories that they can tell you, the more of a picture they will paint for you to figure out how they got from point A to point B. Kevin, much like you, right? You went from the left to libertarian. And then, Todd, you went from the right to libertarian. Two very different stories, two very different pathways, but interestingly enough, a very similar end conclusion. And both of those stories are absolutely imperative in trying to relate to people both on the left and the right, because let's be real, Todd, if we only told your story to people on the left, they're just going to gloss over. And Kevin, if we told only your story to people on the right, their eyes are just going to gloss over. So know who your market is, know how to communicate what it is actually worth talking about. And then also don't, and I'll leave with this, right? Don't, uh, expect the instant return, right? In sales, you see your average sales cycle. If you're in you know, a B2B marketplace, your sales cycle sometimes can last six months, a year, not even longer, you know, a year and a half, two years in some cases. And that's just how it is with politics too. You're planting a seed in many cases and you're not going to see that grow into a tree overnight. Let it, let it take time. And you know, what's going to be is, is you know, two months from now, you're going to have the person you were talking to sitting there talking to their crazy uncle, and they're going to be like, huh, that libertarian that said that thing that made me either like raise my eyebrow. Now that's coming back to this conversation I'm having now, and my goodness, it makes sense. And once they have that, like, it makes sense moment, we got them, and that's a, that's a win for us. Yeah, I agree, and I um, have been in sales for a long time. And I used to teach the method that you talked about that people just want to um, have somebody tell them what to do. I used to literally teach that method. And I don't know, you've probably read the book, but Ben Gay has a series of books, um, funny mm. name, but a series of books that, that basically <laughs> teach you how to tell people what to do. And I used to have people go to the mall and walk up to strangers and say, could you please stand over here? And then the stranger would stand over there and then they, and then I would have my guy just walk away and see how long the stranger would stand there for. And it would be for a long time. <laughs> like, yeah. like people just do what you tell them to. <clears throat> That's how we used to always sell. Um, and then of course, over time you realize, as I realized, um, that that's not the most effective way of selling and that Correct. Yes. you can sell certain products that way. You can sell certain short-term things that way, but people don't come back the second time. They don't yeah. It's the, it's the Dwight Schrute, the, you will buy my, you'll buy this product one, two, three now, now buy it now. Yeah. That doesn't work in real life folks. I'm sorry to, to spoil it. The office is not a real, it's not real life. It is to me at least, but yeah. And so I think uh, you make some great points about um, the, the better way to do long-term sales and build long-term relationships is to listen more, figure out exactly how, um, what value your, you know, quote unquote product can provide to the person you're selling to. Uh, and I think libertarians are terrible at that. Well, Todd, let me ask you, you're the candidate, right? You, yeah. you're, you've run for office. What, what do you think is our, our value that we, we can bring to people right now? Because I, I genuinely, I'm trying to figure that answer myself besides just saying we're the feel-good party. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that we need to, first of all, I, you know me because we've talked a number of times on your show. Um, and I like focusing on local and regional issues. Um, and I think that there's some state issues that we can be the person, who, the party that is pushing them. So the things that aren't being pushed right now that I think there's a big vacuum is 
uh, 2A sanctuaries. So that is being pushed at the ultra local level, um, county by county through the sheriff departments, but those can be passed at a state level as well. I think eliminating the income tax is something that Kevin and I have a website out on right now over taxationistheft.com. Uh, we are trying to get libertarians across the country to run on a eliminate the <clears throat> state income tax platform. Because uh, if you take one more tool away from the state on how they can tax you, uh, they have to either increase taxes somewhere else, which people can see, or they need to decrease spending. Not to mention taking the income tax away grows um, jobs by 70% faster than the high tax states. Uh, and then I think there's obviously the marijuana legalization, decriminalization uh, bills. Over half of the states now have some form of that, but there's still a lot of room left to grow there. So th I think those three are kind of the ones in my head that libertarians can own, they can grab, they can run on those three in almost every state and have it be relevant um, and just tweak it to the message of that state. But I think what you have to do is have, again, those, those, um, those three issues impact people every day. You know, people have folks who are sick that can't have marijuana that would help them or cannabis that would help them. Um, people are going to jail for gun charges uh, and people are paying or paying state income tax every single time they go to work. So that's, in my opinion, you take local issues and try to build a national brand by running on the same local issues in every state. That's my vision for the party. Yeah, and you can't logic and reason people to get death either. You can't good idea people to death. Like you actually have to to like talk to people as people and, and you know what here's here's a funny little thing that people don't like to acknowledge it's like well why did trump do so well in communicating to people when he really didn't have a message <laughs> i mean make america great again is as milk toast and just like wishy-washy nothing squishiness that could possibly be i mean like that is nothing but a just big old like verbal vomit of platitudes that means nothing and yet, to some, I say to a lot of people, it meant everything. And, and that right there speaks to the, the, the beauty of simplicity in language. Trump's language is what? That of a fourth grade level? But here's the, the reality, right? Your average person's like uh, average speaking level is like what? A second grade level? So we, we as libertarians, we find ourselves talking about the non-aggression principle. And to your average person... <sighs> nothing they they completely zone out because they're going to be like the non-aggression huh and and until we we talk to them uh, like like people right talk about like how how does the not like don't talk about the non-aggression principle talk about how the non-aggression principle will solve a problem without using the word non-aggression principle talk about ending the war on drugs without saying ending the war on drugs tell a story of what that will do if we didn't have the war on drugs, right? That's where we're going to you know, be able to, to have more success. You know, here's a great example. And I think of this, you know, cause it, it, it's, it's my COVID, my COVID greatness story, right? My wife had never heard of Waco. I didn't realize this. Okay. So we're watching Waco on Netflix and we're about three episodes in and she turns to me and she goes, is this a real story? And I said, have you never heard of Waco? She goes, no. And I said, okay, so you're, here's the rule. 
you can't Google anything about Waco. And you're going to watch this show as if it was the first time you've ever heard of this, because it is. And, um, you know, as we got to the last episode, spoiler alert, folks, it doesn't end well. Um, she, with tears in her eyes, like, she, it was like a, the biggest red pill moment, because she's like, this is real life? And I'm like, yeah, this has happened, right? And that was because they didn't, this wasn't anybody saying, end the ATF. This wasn't anybody going out and saying, you know, F the feds. This was a story built into, what, 10 episodes or so that outlined people who, were they kind of questionable in their lifestyle? Yeah, but were they harming society? No. And the government coming in and fringing upon their rights to the extent that, oh, ended in, in you know dozens of people's deaths, mostly being women and children. And that's a story that can resonate with people beyond those bumper sticker slogans right and that's where we're going to need to spend more time and effort and energy if we actually want to see some success and i say success and actually advancing liberty not just into the the conversation in the culture but we actually need to start getting it into policy as well that's when we're going to start to actually make people's lives better and that's what the ultimate goal is here yeah uh, to piggyback off of your trump comment uh, a good plug and if you haven't read it uh scott adams the guy that did the dilbert comment comic yes. you know he has a book called win bigly that's basically just a socio-political anal analyzation of trump and the way that he speaks and the way that he tweets and everything and it really gives a really good in-depth about why he does some of the things that he does in order to be a better salesman to people that are of of <clears throat> that speak at a lower level people that you know typically wouldn't be voting for some billionaire that got a million dollar loan from his dad exactly yeah like, like the the beauty that trump can make <laughs> he can make a middle class or a low income you know guy in rural kansas think that he can be just like trump like there's a beauty in that right that there is and, and but that but right there right there there is something magical he can paint this vision of a better tomorrow right and in trump's beautiful way of doing it was his his better his better tomorrow was yesterday it was you make america great again the greatness from yesterday so for the older folks it was a vision of something in yesteryear that emotional tie back to those good old days right that thing that you really can't put a measure on but it's there you can feel it inside and then he can paint that as the positive future that's sold to people right and then that's why slogans like make america great again or hope in change you know those are very emotionally tying slogans and they're very well thought out and and to scott adam's point i mean goodness trump tweets he, trump would get us you know with with you know talking about a typo in a tweet talking about the tweet not realizing that the media in talking about a typo is now giving him you know 24 7 airtime selling his tweet to everybody like right. it, it, it's it's brilliant but up until they just banned him like a month ago, that that was that was the that was the modus operandi. Yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, even even hearing you talk right now and hearing the answer I gave, you know, it's it's clear we have to get better at at boiling it down to something that people can understand. And Kevin and I have been kicking around this income tax thing now for uh, two months, and we're gathering people who are you know subscribing and getting behind this. And one of the things that we think um, could be effective is, you know, libertarians for, for decades have used this 
taxation is theft battle cry and people kind of roll their eyes and you know what about my roads kind of response because we're talking about federal taxation and this and that and the advantage of a state taxation platform is a nine states have already done it so you know it's possible um b everybody pays it uh in 41 states so it's relevant to you know 41 states and so the thought is is to have some form of either over taxation is theft or income taxation is theft um to to be that slogan to kind of that make america great type idea where people kind of lean into libertarianism not all the way in like we need to get rid of the federal government but lean in like yeah you're right the state does spend a whole lot of money and they're taking it out of my check every month what are your thoughts on that well let's uh let's take what somebody here i'm gonna i'm gonna pick on pick on i'm actually gonna use andrew yang somebody who we wouldn't really think of as somebody we'd want to take good ideas from but remember back in the primary andrew yang did something very interesting and he went out of his way to support his UBI argument. He and his campaign gave a thousand, I think it was a thousand dollars, right? Every single month for, I think it was, it's a year maybe um, as part of his campaign. And he did that to show the value of an extra thousand dollars in everybody's paycheck. Well, I, you know, back when that happened, I was like, wouldn't it be, you know, making more sense to just not take out as much money from people's paycheck? Well, how about this? Here's a sales idea for us. What if we had a libertarian campaign that was running for office? I don't know if this is even legal. If it isn't, I don't, please don't report me. Um, but if it is, is not, then let's do this, guys. Um, if a candidate were to say, okay, we're going to take 10 people that are, you know, across the United States, let's say it's a federal election or maybe no, for let's just do your, your example, right? A state election, a state election, take 10 people in the state and figure out, you know, by random, what is their um, annual income tax? What, what do they pay per month on in income tax? And then if we can find a way to get that money, like Andrew Yang did to them and say, here is a, you know, a check for, $1,225. This is what you'd be spending on income tax per, what, six months, let's just say, I don't know, um, or per year. I don't know. Let's just take the example for whatever it will be worth there for per person. And then we can use that as a means to say, okay, now what would this do if we were to give this to this person every single month and then test it and, and let them tell a story. Here's you know, it, you know, and have a documentary crew like, the, you know, a la The Office go through, interview them every single week. You know, what's what have you been able to do with this extra how much money you've had in your paycheck now, air quotes, that that's not been taken out and, and show the value, show the benefit of what that would be like. And at the very end, just like have what it would be like in a normal tax day, that that, that money would all just be gone. And then that it ties like the, the emotional brain to the real life because you're like, oh. You can see the money being used for other things that are actually positive in that person's life and that person's community versus the government just taking your money and it goes off to this faceless, emotionless entity that is just there, right? And, and that will create a lot more libertarians just, I think, in doing something like that and being able to tell that story versus just talking about ending income tax, right? Being able to, to show that value. 
That's great. And unfortunately, uh, we're not going to be able to air this episode because Kevin and I are going to steal that idea and we're not going to give you any credit. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we are. We are going to show up at people's houses with big fake publishers clearinghouse checks and say, here's your $2,500. You got to do it. You got to do it like uh, what's that? What's that Will Ferrell movie uh, where he's the basketball player semi-pro oh, semi-pro and he gives them the big fake check and he's like oh you got to take it to a big bank <laughs> yeah take it right to the irs see if they'll deposit this for you <laughs> but but honestly let's say kevin i mean somebody's running for office here in oklahoma and they make a video like that and even if we use our own folks you know and say wow that's a twenty five hundred dollar check you know you make fifty thousand bucks you pay five percent it's twenty five hundred dollar check that is more than the government gave you in multiple stimulus packages that took them, you know, $3 trillion uh, to do. Um, and we just gave it back to you by, you know, not stealing not it. Not taking it from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How, and how powerful is that, right? Like, because then it becomes like, you can't even deny it because you're just experiencing it for yourself. And like that, and that's one of the, the, beautiful things about government from a progressive standpoint is you can make this bs argument of like well if you uh, let us uh do a 10-year study you'll see that this will start to pay dividends like no it, we can just be like here stop taking money from people and you will see an immediate immediate return on investment just just by that very nature of not taking it from their paycheck to begin with amazing i know yeah no kevin we're doing that we're gonna make a we're going to make a commercial for somebody in 2022, 32nd spot with a whole bunch of people getting publisher clearinghouse checks for their state income tax. I love it. Boom. Yeah, I love that idea. <laughs> it, would be, it would be it would be good if we could tie that back to, you know, like Brian was talking about personal stories. If we could tie that back into with some stories of like how the state wastes money. Yeah. And yeah. say like this money would normally go to, you know, whatever, whatever anecdotal story you have. Yeah. Uh, a good one is, uh, so I do consulting for oil and gas companies, right? So we're talking multi-billion dollar companies, huge, you know, the evil oil and gas corporations. And um, I did a six month consulting job for a top 10 producer in America. Um, I think they're worth like, I think it's like, $20 billion or something. And then I did a consulting job for this, doing the exact same thing for the state of Oklahoma. And the price that I charged that oil and gas company was below the minimum that the state could pay me legally. <laughs> wow. So figure that out. Yeah. That, that, it's the uh, meme of uh, Zach Galifianakis with the, all the numbers around trying to do the math. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, hell, this is worth it. If we got an idea that good out of every podcast, we'd have to do six a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only that easy. Well, I'll tell you what, too. And, and, you know, this, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but like this has been since August, this has been the focus that we've completely diverted my show towards because, like, and, and, and Todd, you, you've been a guest on the show both before and after we, we took this, this change. And, and you know, while I was kind of getting my sea legs over the first few years, trying, I was having guests on, you know, both, both from the left, the right, and I was just more having conversations and trying to, to just learn, right, be a sponge. But 
then as I got towards, you know, the end of 20, well, I was like, it's really the middle of 2020. I kind of had this like moment where I was, <laughs> I was a little just like, okay, what, 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 what am I doing? Like, what's the purpose of the show? And, and then it kind of like hit me. I was like, well, what's my purpose? Like, what am I doing right now? It's like, well, I'm, I, I lead a sales team. I'm a sales executive. I, I, you know, I'm good at what I do. And like, where are we lacking? And then it kind of hit me like, where's a problem I, I can identify in this greater liberty movement? It's like, oh, selling. <laughs> we, we're terrible at doing it. And I was like, well, there we go. And that's why in August, I just, I completely did a 180. I mean, we're doing three times a week now at the Brian Nichols show. And, you know, we're doing, you know, with, if it's not three weeks of our three guests a week, you know, we're at least uh, re-airing, uh, you know, different conversations where I'm going on different podcasts. Like, you know, I just had a conversation with uh, Brady Leonard over on no gimmicks. I did a re-air here uh, as this airs um, back on Wednesday. You know, I'll, I would love to be able to re-air this conversation over on my platform, just because I think it's a great chance to just bring more people into this movement by hearing different things in a way that they maybe didn't hear it before. And having just these kind of like open kind of conversations like this, right? Like this is how we're able to actually make things happen. We, we don't, we do not grow as a movement by further, you know, putting ourselves into these little hyper, you know, hived groups on Facebook. You know, I, I don't like this. I don't like that we have 14 different Facebook groups for 14 different freaking caucuses. Like, hey, <laughs> how about this? Let's all realize that we're on, to use the Jason Stapleton analogy, we are on this, you know, spaceship bus through space to Liberty Land, right? But like, we are so freaking far from our destination that like, if you're trying to get off the bus now, because you don't want to be in the bus of the people who are already on there, like, then you're going to have to have a bigger, like, come to Jesus moment, because that's a, that's a you problem. Like, we, we have much bigger issues as a greater movement to deal with, like, to where we're going than, than these the petty BS nonsense, you know, arguments that we've been feuding with now for 40 plus years. Like, this is bigger than us. This is like the future of our society, guys. Like, and if we're able to start to talk to people as people showing that we care about them, then I think we're going to be putting ourselves in a much, much, much better position than we are now, because then we'll actually be meeting them where they're at instead of where we're telling them where we think they should be. You know, I totally agree on the different factions and all that. One thing that I always say is I'm not interested in being the most libertarian, libertarian to ever libertarian while I'm standing in the bread line. Oh, oh man, I, I, I'm, I'm done with uh, folks who are wanting to be the kings and queens of being right. Like, that's great. What have you accomplished? I mean, you will be the king and queen party of one, just as we have been for 40 years. And that's that 1% that we will consistently get unless we continue to push more, more people out of there, unless we do the 180 and we start to be more of a big tent party and really focus on the people who agree with the small L liberty, right? The ideas of personal liberty, not hurting people, not taking their stuff. That's where we're going to be able to build those common grounds and sell those ideas to people where they're at. Just to kind of paraphrase Scott Horton, right? You fight the left from the left and the right from the right. You sell the left from the left and the right from the right. That's how we have to approach it. Yep. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think I mean, this is a fantastic episode, Brian. Um, I think you are doing some great stuff on your show. Feel free to re-air this. Um, this is going to be this going to be not the first or not the last conversation we have on this. So, 
Um, thank you so much for coming. Uh, tell people where they can find you and what's coming up next for you. Absolutely. Well, well, Kevin and Todd, thank you first and foremost for having me on, on Chief Chats. I've been looking forward to this now for a couple of months and uh, it's been on my calendar. I've been eagerly awaiting. Uh, but no, where can folks go ahead and follow me? Well, uh, first, if you go to briannicholsshow.com, um, it will bring you right to uh, the, the website with all the different links to where you can find the the, the podcast. And, and obviously, wherever folks have podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcast Addict, or some other podcast catcher I've never heard of, you can probably just go ahead and search The Brian Nichols Show, and it should show up. Um, and, and also, while you're there, if, I, if you do enjoy what we're doing here at The Brian Nichols Show, I would really appreciate a, a quick five-star rating and review i charge nothing for my show uh so with that all i ask is in return five minutes that's that's all i ask for a pay five minutes of your time do a five-star rating and review and tell folks what value you're getting from the brian nichols show did you find it uh as a member of the left and you've said hey maybe there's something about this whole economic thing that i can learn from or were you a member of the right and you said hey maybe this whole war on drugs thing isn't actually a good idea so i would love to hear why and i actually every friday read um the the ratings and reviews I'll, I'll go ahead and pick one from random so if you'd like to hear your name read out there uh please go ahead five star rating and review and then also uh, if folks want to get in touch with me on uh, social media you can find me at b nichols liberty on twitter uh facebook and then minds.com i had a parlor it got nuked r.i.p um and then uh email brian at brian nichols show Dot com. Todd, Kevin, thank you guys so much. This has been an absolute blast. And I, I really appreciate all the work you guys are doing, not only from this perspective, but also, you know, you guys are going out and you're helping get the liberty into action in, uh, in actually getting it into to, to elections, getting into policy. And that's, again, what we're trying to do here. So thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. Really looking forward to seeing you again. For sure. All right, gents. Well, listen, I appreciate the uh, the time. Thank you so much for having me on the other uh, program. It was an absolute blast. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it again. <laughs>